I, I got to tell you this, Richard, um, first of all, and this is the truth. You are the exception, not the norm. Um, so yours comes through intentionality, patience and action. And um, you, we all, it doesn't matter if you're Warren Buffett or any great entrepreneur or just the person starting out, we all have the same 24 hours in the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. So I want to uh, move on a little bit and talk about common enemy, right? So your common enemy is, I like to think about, frame it like this for you. The clients that you work with, there is probably something that you run into on a regular basis, like a mindset or something that you have to fight against. Um, that if you could just wave your magic wand over all your clients the moment you, uh, they hired you, and you know, if you could just get rid of that mindset, they would get better, faster results. Um, what is that thing? What is the thing you constantly have to fight against with the people you work with? So people always come to me to be a better business person, to be a better leader and to make more money. 100% of them. This is no longer anecdotal. This is statistics and data because I've worked with so many people. 100% struggle with time and the management of time and feeling overwhelmed and busy. 100% uh, of them are overwhelmed with stress and feeling like their life is out of control. And here's the big one. This is going to go out there a little bit for an entrepreneurial show. 100% of them on some level struggle with the relationship with their significant, uh, significant other in one way. So I like this saying, give them what they want, sell them what, uh, you know, sell them what they want, give them what they need. So they come, yeah. you know, I want to make more money, my business be more profitable. I want to be a better leader. You know, I want to be more powerful, but all of them need help with managing their time and that, 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 helplessness of feeling so overwhelmed and busy, which comes with extreme stress and pressure. Mm -hmm. And the last one is how do they maintain, you know, intimate, loving relationships with their significant others and their children or their family and friends, because they are ambitious, overwhelmed, stress, and um, always, you know, seeking more and better. And so those are the common enemies, brother. And it's, it's not, it's not 90%. It's not 95%. It is it's like 100%. <laughs> so, so I'm actually, uh, uh, the, the one that, that sticks out to me is the, how do you have a business that you push hard, really hard on and still have really great relationships stands out as something because um, for me, that's been a focus of my life since I started in business. Mm. Um, so it's something I, I feel like I have a strong suit there. 
Um, and I, I just want to uh, discuss it a little bit because I think it's an interesting thing that not a lot of people um, who are in the entrepreneur space really spend a lot of time to your point. They don't talk about it, right? It's because no. it's not a business thing. It's a relationship thing and it's at home, right? And we feel like at home is separate than um, at business or at work or whatever. Um, so, which is nonsense, by the way. <laughs> totally nonsense. I completely agree. So let me let me let me back up a little bit and tell you a little bit of my story. Um, I was um, started my first business at like thirteen. I was like buying candy wholesale and selling at retail at, on campus. Um, took a fifty dollar loan from my dad, uh, paid him back, and you know then I had I to buy inventory. You know, I had to buy inventory with it and realized that like after I paid him back and paid, got the inventory, I had like no dollars. And I was like, I don't understand. Like what happened? And I, because I like, I didn't know what profit margin and revenue and that stuff was. Indeed. I was like, I, I, I made a hundred bucks and I have nothing to show for it, but I had my inventory <laughs> I could sell it. Anyways, I learned that lesson. Um, but when I graduated college and got married um, to my wife, one of the first things that I said is, hey, I want to be, um, I want to be home at lunch every day for my kids um, as we as we grow and build a family together. And I was like, specifically lunch, because you know, there's a lot of times dads are home for breakfast or dads are home for dinner or whatever. Um, and but not very often that, you know, kids get to have lunch with their dads every day, um, either for school or for other things. So it meant a couple of things to me. One, it meant that we were homeschooling our kids. And two, it meant that I wanted to have the time freedom that I could be there all the time. And proud to say now it's we're, you know, 11 years into our relationship, I've got four kids. Um, my oldest son is 10 and I have maybe missed five or six lunches because I was at a business event here or there over mm. the course of 10 years. Um, so he doesn't know what it's like to not have me there. Um, and that has been a, a big thing for me. Um, and one of the things that is interesting is over the last four or five years, I've probably doubled my business every year, um, which is really cool. Um, and while being at home most of the time. Um, and being with my kids and doing all of that. And the, the thing for me that has really allowed me to do that is being able to compartmentalize um, and realize like the, the mistaken thinking I had early on in my entrepreneur career is that giving your all to something, right? Giving 100% um, meant that you had nothing left over and that like you were literally like 100% of your day. And like I saw a pie chart actually. It was a uh, um, a, a graphic. It was like a meme. It was like, here's, you know, you hard work. And it's uh, the whole circle is hard work. And that's how you succeed. And like, I lived my life like that early on in my, my life. It was like, I will just, you know, I will wake up and, you know, work the whole day until I drop dead at night. Um, and there was one point in college, I tried to go without sleep, see if I could, you know, not sleep and just work a hundred percent of the time lasted about three days before I got sick and realized that that wasn't going to work. Um, but anyways, I thought that was the thing. And you realize instead that you have to break the break your time up into like, okay, I've got to sleep and I've got to take care of myself and I've got to put time in with my wife and time with my kids and time into my business. But how does that equal? How can I give 100% attention to any of those things? Um, mm. Because you know, my thinking was 100% attention is like, you spend all of your time, all 24 hours of your day doing that thing. That's a, that's 100% attention. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs fall into some version of that kind of thinking, where they think I need to just dedicate all of me to this in order to push it forward. Um, and the shift in thinking for me was realizing that I need to have sets of time that all of my focus are on what's at hand. Right. So if you're at home at lunch with your kids, that's it. You're just at home 
having lunch with your kids. You're 100% there. Um, and, you know, same thing when you're at work or doing whatever it is you're doing. It's, uh, um, it's how can I give myself 100% to the task at hand? Um, and, um, and realizing that you, to have massive growth in any of areas, all it takes is a little bit of progress every day. Um, and that's been, for me, that's been how I've, um, how I've been able to, uh, to deliver and grow in those areas. I'm just curious what your thoughts were on that and how you help people who are struggling in those areas. So I got to tell you this, Richard, um, first of all, and this is the truth. You are the exception, not the norm. Um, so yours comes through intentionality, patience and action. And, um, you, we all, it doesn't matter if you're Warren Buffett or any great entrepreneur or just the person starting out, we all have the same 24 hours in the day. <laughs> absolutely. We absolutely, none of us are different. He doesn't have more time than we do and vice versa. And, um, it's it comes great with level a great level. It, it, it really is. And it, and you just taught it. I mean, I don't have to say anything else, but I will, I'll summarize what you just said. Um, it becomes with management of your time. It comes with intentionality and it comes with action. And, um, the key, you just, you said something powerful there that a lot of the, the people I work with struggle with is being 100% present when you're at home with your children or your wife and not thinking about, Oh, did I do this on this website? Or did I say this to this customer or, Oh, I left this on the table. So it comes with intentionality and it comes with practice. Mm-hmm. And I think um, setting boundaries around your time, time blocking and make sure when you, if you spent, and I'm going to go back to what you said, your superpower, what I call your zone of brilliance in, in the book is if you spend three to four hours in your zone of brilliance every day, just on that. And I'm talking about cut off the email, cut off the phone, no social media. And you just spent four hours cranking in your God given talent or your zone or your superpower, as you call it you would be shocked at the exponential results in your business. And you can spend maybe a couple of three hours on the rest of the administration, operations, management, financials, whatever it is that the other people are doing. So that's one way the intentionality. Um, the second is, is the actions of it, right? And prioritization of rest and balance. Here's the truth though. If you truly want to build, um, I love the fact that you've doubled your business, <clears throat> but everything is a choice. Not, I'm not really a balance person. I'm really a, a priority person. And if you're in startup mode and you need to make hay, um, maybe that's where you need to prioritize right now so that, so that you can build a successful business and you communicate that openly and honestly, and hopefully maybe get your family to be a part of it, right? Yeah. And then, but there's times that we shift and balance and rebalance. But the key is... Um, we also have to look at, you seem really um, grounded, um, balanced. A lot, a lot of the people who are extremely ambitious, extremely driven, they're getting their validation of if and wins or just a little bit more. And when never happens, and let's say your goal is a million dollar business and you get a million dollar business, well, then you want a $10 million business. And so there's this, you have to, you have to, okay, when you have to know, A, you have to enjoy the journey and B, know that you're never going to get wherever that is. (laughs) We got to just let that go. And um, there's all this stuff out there. If we don't, if we're not here or we're not this, or we don't do that, then we're not worthy. And I'm getting a little into the emotional stuff. That's nonsense. It seems like you don't struggle from that issue. 
that you have made it intentional to build a business and to live a life on the road. And I'm going to be intentional about my family and I'm going to be the same person at home that I am at work. So many others struggle with that. And there's systems and tools and with great coaching or just great mentoring that you can implement in your life and balance and rebalance depending on your priorities. But you cannot yeah, say that. that, I'm sorry, one more thing. You cannot say your family and your health or your priorities when you put them forth. And so that's yeah. the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. It was just a, a realization of mine, like along the way. I, you know, the whole, um, for me, I had like, I had goals, right? Like revenue goals, right? I'm going to hit hundred thousand dollars in business, you know, a year or whatever. Right. And it's like on the way to that goal, like whatever my first goal was, my big one, like I realized I had all the money I needed to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> and like it suddenly that didn't matter as much anymore. Um, mm. so I started looking at other things. Um, so, so, so part of that was just like understanding what I wanted. Um, but the, the, the thing, uh, the thing you, you mentioned there was the whole work life balance. Um, I have a metaphor that I use in my own like life that I tell people this all the time is like, we seem to think as a culture that work life balance is like one of those legal scales, right. And you're supposed to have like, you know, and it's supposed to like match up and the, that it'll even out. And sometimes you'll have work over here and like, sometimes, you know, whatever. And I've always hated that metaphor for work life balance because, Me too. Yeah, because I think it's, um, you know, to to put it politely, it's bullcrap. Hundred percent, you're up, you're spot. Yeah. So the metaphor I've always used um, is the metaphor of a rubber band, right? And a rubber band is, um, you know, in its natural state, it's loose, loose, and it sits there, doesn't do much, doesn't move forward. Um, but you can stretch it and you can pull it, and you can pull it really hard, actually. And the harder you pull it, the farther it will go when you let when you let go on on the rubber band. If you pull it too hard, it'll break, <laughs> um, and it doesn't go anywhere. Um, so our work life balances sometimes. So like you mentioned startup mode. Sometimes you're going to push really, really hard. You're going to mm -hmm. stretch really, really far. Um, but what that lets you do is it lets you have it lets you rocket forward, right? When you when you let go, you can put in a lot of effort and a lot of things to push forward. But after you've done that, the default state of the rubber band goes back to rest, right? You have to you have to have those periods of stretching and the periods where you're not as much. And I've liked that metaphor a lot better um, for, for just, you know, understanding the, what work-life balance really looks like. Um, and, you know, if you, you know, it, it's, everyone knows if you just continue to pull a rubber band and you never let it go back to normal, it'll snap. Right. Um, and the same thing will happen in your life. So you I, have to. Yeah. And your health and your, your health, your marriage, your life, your business. It, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you get you get way out of balance it's not if life's gonna punch you in the face it's when <laughs> yeah when it, when it snaps it won't be pretty <laughs> no <laughs> no that's why i wish um people it, whether they're coming to join a mastermind or they're usually definitely in one-on-one -on -one coaching i wish they would come to me in more of a proactive state and not a reactive state you know when they they don't come to me with a bullet hole wound <laughs> to repair like a, in their uh, business or marriage <laughs> Just come with a, a scratch. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Come with some scratches and let's get you like rocking and rolling before you get to the trauma table. You know? Yeah. That's actually what uh, I, I mentioned before we got on this thing. I'm working with the concierge doctor. He's like, that's one of the things he loves about working with because he works with people who are like sick and dying and like helps them get back to health. And then he works with the high performance entrepreneurs who are looking to get better. 
he was like, they're such different markets. He's like, because someone who's coming to me and saying, hey, I'm good, I want to be better. <laughs> it's so Proactive. much different than someone who is like, I'm on my deathbed, and I don't want to die. <laughs> I didn't realize that the 15 Krispy Kreme donuts for the last 45 years was not good for me. <laughs> so yeah, fix me. Yeah. So fix me, right? That's the whole, I got a GSW here and I got to get fixed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, I love it, man. What a great, but it sounds like you, what your intentionality is what I think a lot of people are seeking. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, there, there's, there's choices and compromises and priorities and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's just um, I I I like to I like to think I I lucked into some of that um, because of parents and mentors that I grew up with um, who really put me on a solid foundation. Um, what a gift! For, what a gift yeah, for for where I want to go and where I want to be, and um, and part of it too is just really under you know they they say uh, you know you should know your why, know what you want, right, mm. and just being really know really knowing what I wanted um, and being able to separate that from you know, monies and money and trappings of success and that kind of stuff and realize it was like, Hey, I, I know exactly what it is that I want in my business. Um, and once you sort of hit those things and you have those for you, then it's realizing that like, how do I start getting into the next level of like, how do I leave a legacy or become legendary as uh, as your, your book talks about it. And I that's love sort of it. like the next level. So, yeah. And, and you don't have to be, rich famous or power to be legendary oh yeah um, no one's going to read our resume when we die they're not going to say what house we bought or how important we were they're going to talk about how we made them feel and what impact and how we left this beautiful world maybe a little stories. better than we found it they're going to tell stories and to me that's what building and all that other now money's important and success is important and you and i like building businesses and we like making money i mean that this is this is, we love it um but it doesn't define us and we, we, we acknowledge the importance, we acknowledge the desire, and we, we acknowledge that, but we also want to leave something bigger than us, and we want to make impact in our lives, and with our families, our friends, our, you know, and so it's just, it's a beautiful thing if you really step back and look at it holistically. So interesting thought that I had recently on that was this, uh, in the entrepreneur space particularly, um, the, the, let me restrict it a little bit more than that. The entrepreneurs who do speaking, consulting, podcasting, that kind of stuff, the kind of stuff that we're into um, in that that's the space of entrepreneurship um, has with it a bit of fame, mm, right? Yes. Um, and we, the people who are in this, in this bubble of entrepreneurship um, and we look at things, you know, like what's his name, Gary Vaynerchuk or Grant Cardone or other things. And we're like, look, there's like, there's fame. And we think that fame is an essential part of successful business um, and realize like one of the things one of the things that I try to point out with on this show and we have guests from all over the spectrum before before this reason um, is that the overwhelming majority of entrepreneurs fame doesn't even enter into the equation mm. right like you know the uh, the I have uh, um, one of the guys that uh, uh, is a big business leader in my hometown where I grew up and went to high school and that kind of stuff um, runs the uh, BMW dealership right and you know, he runs the BMW dealership and now like today, he's got the BMW dealership and the Mercedes dealership and the VW dealership and the guy makes like 20 million a month. Um, but I guarantee you, you've never heard his name. No one's heard his name. Like unless totally. you live in that town, you don't know who he is, right? Because there's no fame associated with running a successful business, right? Um, I had a, another client of mine that his father was the guy who did underwater tiles for hotels, 
right? So if they have water features, they have to have someone who does the tile work for water features because it's different than normal tire work. And he's like the guy in the country that like, if you're going to do a water feature, you hire this guy to do underwater tiles. But like, if you're not building an underwater water feature for a hotel, you don't know his name. Nobody knows his name. There's no fame associated with it. And he's a multimillionaire, right? That kind of stuff where it's like, um, and it, it's an interesting thing that we, we struggle with in the, I don't know what you call it. The, the people who want to be entrepreneurs or who are trying to build businesses and are learning from people like us, right? Who are, are learning and reading books and building their business and stuff like that. They're like, I see these people have some sort of fame and they have a business. Therefore, fame must be required part of business. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I find, I find that interesting. It's actually not just interesting. It's an epidemic in our young people. And so yeah. part of my practice, I'm, uh, you know, parents hire me to work with their adolescent children and sometimes college age children. And even in our 20s, especially 20 year olds in the entrepreneur space, they're seeing the Grant Cardones, they're seeing the Gary V's and the Gary V and the Brendan Bruchards. And those are epically, whether you like them or not, they're doing great things and making great impact. And, mm -hmm. and they, they, part of their desire was to be famous. Um, but we've got to yeah. watch within the social media world right now. And everybody puts their best self on Instagram and Facebook and everybody wants to see themselves getting out of the fancy car and blah, blah, blah. Um, we have to be careful that wanting to be famous for fame sakes usually comes with compromising a lot of different things. And so, like you said, there is, literally thousands and thousands. It's just so funny. One of the, the wealthiest people I know also owns a bunch of dealerships. Um, and I think he's at that 20, $25 million a month. You'd never know the, in the world who this dude is and he wants it that way, but he also yeah. makes significant impact in the lives of his employees, his customers. And I know he's one of the most giving, caring people I've ever met. And he does not care one iota of being famous, like zero. And so we've got to be careful. Like fame is vanity and it's vanity. It's delicious. You know, I'm, you know, see me, hear me, love me. I'm important. You are important, but you don't have to, you know, the whole world doesn't have to know you're important. And, and that to me is, is such a powerful thing, but we've got to educate our younger folks that, you know, not everybody's Beyonce, not everybody's LeBron James, not everybody's Warren Buffett, but there are a lot of people that you don't know that are very happy, successful, fulfilled people. And I think that's an important lesson we need to tell everybody. And that's yeah. why I say right off the bat to become a legend. Like when I talk about it in legendary, the book, I don't legends they're they're everywhere. And it, you don't have to be, you know, there's also really bad ones too. Just remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we remember those folks. But, you know, working in the 20th century that we, uh, <laughs> you know, working with purpose, you know, working with purpose, constantly taking action, build toward financial freedom for yourself, whatever that looks like for you, but also doing it um, from a place of impact, from a place of unconditional love, from a place of building friendships and relationships and having a little fun for God's sakes. All of that stuff is what life is made of. And um, one of the people that I feature in book real quick is um, he was a terrible businessman, terrible by all um, he, and he was, he's my, he's my coach's father, by the way. And um, I'll never forget the story of my coach telling me this. He said, when he passed away, he said he literally waited four hours watching the people come to him four hours at a line. And this is in a small town in Tennessee for four hours, people lined up to tell him and his siblings 
how how he was the first to show up when they needed him, how he served them, and how he made his, their lives better. What more of a legend could there be in life of an unknown yeah. failed business guy that he spoke into every he served and spoke into every single human being that he met? To me, that is living, my brother. That's living. My uh, <laughs> my my grandmother was like that, um, and she passed away about seven years ago now. And uh, I was um, I wrote I wrote her eulogy, wrote and gave her eulogy, um, and um, got up got up to do that, and it was. It was really humbling because like I get up to her funeral and there was more than 750 people there. Um, it was like, I don't even think I know 750 people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, That's you know, called, I, she was legendary, man. She, she was, was legendary. legendary. She was amazing. She is the kind of person that I can only hope and dream to become like, um, mm. but you know, I got up and I just, all I did was tell some stories of how she impacted my life. That's, that's, you know, what I, what I did for, for her, um, her eulogy. And, you know, at the end of a funeral, you go back, if you're the one who's speaking, you go back and you shake hands with everyone. So I spent like two hours, every single person come by to shake my hand. And it was really, really humbling to have someone like her um, and like just to see the impact she had on so many people's lives um, and to just see how it was so different because like they all were like, thank you so much for telling your story because, you know, she's only had two grandsons, right? She's like, so there's not a lot of people who had the perspective of her that I had. Um, mm. and, um, so, uh, it, you know, I, I got a lot of, of, you know, thank you so much for that kind of, kind of thing. And it was really powerful to me to see she had become a legend. Right. Mm. Um, and still is to this day. So, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And there's, there's no one's, again, you're not taking a U-Haul with you on, on your way to the, the afterlife. You're not bringing any of your stuff with you. Um, and it's all about, did you leave this world better than you found it and, and, and do it on your terms and your way with purpose and with impact. And that yeah. she checked all those boxes. <laughs> she checked them all. She was wonderful. Um, you said something a couple of seconds ago that I want to, I want to dig in a little bit on just because I think it's really, really important. You said that you have fun. Um, mm. And the, uh, one of the things that um, I, a similar thing that I think entrepreneurs struggle with is we think that fun is a reward for work well done. Um, and, and I, I, uh, you know, if you look back at that whole hard work circle, you know, <laughs> filled the whole pie up with hard work, you don't have time left over for fun. Um, I did that for a number of years. And I realized that like, you burn yourself out. And what I've realized in like that my um, and recreation are not rewards for work well done, they are requirements for doing good work. Um, and so they're foundational. Um, it's not it's not reward, if that makes sense. Um, if you are well rested and you know how to play and you know how to do those things, you can come to your work much more creative and get better stuff done and have a bigger impact and, you know, write a better legend for yourself. Totally. And I just read this, like I, I have these daily reads that I do and, and I just read Leonardo da Vinci is arguably one of the smartest, most driven architect, painter, inventor, entrepreneur that maybe ever lived. And, um, he, when he got overwhelmed or stressed, he would literally walk away and just go do fun, do, you know, he would take time for recreation, fun and rest. And he said when he would go away and then come back, 
that his work was 20 to 100x better because he rested fun, walked away from it, and went to recreation. And if, if it's good enough for Leonardo da Vinci, who's arguably done more for, for the modern day world than anyone else, it's good for us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know uh, um, one of the things that really surprised me was when we, we got on the road two and a half years ago to travel, my wife and I and our kids. Um, and I was worried about growing my business in that kind of an environment. Um, and then fast forward 12 months in, I had um, quadrupled my business that year um, from beginning to end, um, which was um, in a number of ways. So like revenue, number of clients, number of staff, like all of it, it was like four times bigger at the end of the year than it was at the beginning. Um, and uh, so one of the things that like I was thinking about was like, why did that happen? Um, and part of it is because of how, um, how much of my time was spent recreating and how um, how important it became to focus on the work when I had work right because if you're parked outside of Yosemite and you're like I can't go in to, you know to slide off the waterfalls with my kids until my work is done you get really good at getting your work done and getting only the important things done right um, and moving forward um, because you know when I was at, at you know we call it sticks and bricks on the road right that's what that's a, a travelers call it when you're at sticks and bricks house um, and working from your office there it doesn't matter like what you get done or how long it takes you to get it done because your routine is there like it's always going to be the same it's going to be the same next week as it is the week after that um, and just being in a place where you don't have any sort of like you, you can't put yourself in a rut because you're constantly moving and changing your environment um, made it so it was um, it was really interesting how powerful that was for, for pushing my business forward. And one of the things I've been trying to like figure out is like, how do you distill that for someone who doesn't have the opportunity to travel like I'm doing? How do you get that kind of benefit? Um, and part of it is just realizing that you should figure out ways to integrate play and recreation into your life. Let me tell you, can I share my story on yeah, that absolutely. with you? Um, Pre-transformation. I was probably working um, 70 to 90 hours a week. No joke. Yeah. Um, no joke. Been there. Post-transformation, I maybe worked 35. And this is at a firm who had a billable hours requirement. And I was a junior partner at the time. I literally went from 70 to 90 to 30 to 35 overnight. And I prioritized first investment in myself. Uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, and just making me the best. I, I prioritize that every morning for an hour to two every morning. I'm not kidding. I still do that to this day. I would, I would work 30 to 35 hours, but I was very, very focused when I was work. I started empowering my people. I started only concentrating on my zone of brilliance. And then I would go home and I would leave it and, and I would go rest and play at night. And I never worked a weekend again. It drove my partners maddening. Um, however, we beat UPS for the global service provider. In my life, I went from junior partner to senior partner to equity partner to international practice leader to um, elected to the border or board of directors working half of what I used to. It was just super focused. I prioritized the investment in myself. I prioritized rest. I prioritized our people. I prioritized my fun and travel. And so my income almost went up five times. Um, our, our firm was winning the award. I went from the most hated to the most beloved. 
my marriage was on, on the shambles. It went the best it ever been. My network went up 50 X. So you just told her two stories of two different people. And if it's good enough for the people on this call or this podcast, and it's good enough for Leonardo da Vinci, rest has to be a priority. Fun and recreation have to be a priority. Otherwise, why are we living this life? It's not because we're thinking about when we get there. Well, we're never going to get there wherever there is. So let's enjoy now. And so I'm totally with that. I, I 100 experienced that. And when I was working for a big, big firm and I've 100% experienced that, but I'm in the season right now because we've had so much success with this book and other things we're in building uh, me and my team. We made the decision and my wife and my family we're in building mode. We're going to prioritize this first, but we're still going to have some fun and rest along the way. And we've got some benchmarks to check. We're stretching <laughs> the rubber band, but it's funny. Um, one of, one of our people the other day goes, well, I guess we just write about rest. We don't actually do it. And I was like, ooh, I hear that. So we heard it. So we gave her Thursday and Friday off. We sent her to get a, a massage. And I said, take Thursday through Sunday off. We know we've been burning it at both ends, building this movement, building these retreats, building these masterminds, building this speaking. Take Thursday through Sunday, get massage, play, it's on us. She came back a totally different person. And so we have to check ourselves to make sure that we're, we're practicing what we preach as well. But we're in the season of go right now. And, and it comes and goes. But if you, if you walk away from it and come back to it, you'll do it 10 times better more, more, more often than not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's, what's interesting, though, is that like on the same token, that also goes back to that time management. Um, because you have to be good at time management if you're going to work that way, right? If you're going to integrate, because um, you, you, you don't have, you're not putting as much time into it. Um, so for, for me, that has been like learning how to block my calendar, right? Like I live and die by my calendar. Um, me too. And yeah, I just, just like this last week discovered a tool that let me take my stuff from my project management system and drag it over and drop it on my calendar. So I could be like, hey, this task on the calendar, this task on the calendar on top of like, you know, my appointments, like these interviews and stuff like that. Um, because like, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't get done. Um, 100%. Yeah. And realizing that like how important that is for entrepreneurs. Um, and if you realize like when you sort of take all these things together, like if you are resting and recreating and you are blocking and taking care of your calendar and you realize that you're working in your zone of genius, you can accomplish more in four hours a day than other people do working 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week. Um, and, you know, it's, it's how you grow a big business. <laughs> One million percent agree with that from A to Z. I've experienced both sides of that coin. I experienced in my practice now. It a hundred percent. You're absolutely correct. So you could be a time management guru like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only I was good at it for uh, for other people. That's not my that's not my thing. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a couple of questions just because we spent a lot of time on some of that, which is really good stuff. And I want to go to um, talking about your own personal heroes. All right. So Frodo, you know, just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your heroes in your life? Were they real life mentors? <laughs> were they speakers or authors, maybe peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished in your multiple times, you know, overcoming some pretty big obstacles and getting where so, you are? So I didn't have much in the way of male mentorship as a young man. And so uh, my first male mentor appeared in a weird place. It appeared in jail. 
and it was a, a very large, um, very built 45-year-old African-American gentleman. And why it's important to say an African-American gentleman is because in jail, it, it's cliquish and it's usually cliquish on racial lines. And for that man to step over the racial lines and to see something in an 18-year-old kid who was at his, at his bottom, who had no self-belief or self-confidence or self-respect and didn't love himself, for him to respect, love, mentor. And basically, he said these words to me right off the bat because he had been in and out of the system his whole life. He goes, I, I see something in you, and I'm not letting this revolving, revolving door of a system bring you back in. And so he was the first hero and mentor that really appeared in my life that's just had a profound impact on me. Um, the, the heroes and mentors that I have now, a lot of them don't even know, um, they, don't, they don't know me. And they're through, like Brene Brown is a hero for mine. And I cannot, cannot wait one day. She's a great author, great speaker, uh, vulnerability expert, and it's just exploded. And so I'm really looking forward to the day to just giving her a big hug. I feel like every word that she writes is written toward me <laughs> and it's not, um, I was like, quit writing these books toward me, you know? And so, um, you know, Alexander Hamilton is a hero of mine, um, from what he overcame to where he became. And so, um, the list of heroes and mentors, um, it's so funny in the, I have to say this cause this is actually a true story. <clears throat> the um, publishing house and the consultants for this book, they're like, look, your acknowledgements are going to be longer than the book itself. And we cannot allow that. <laughs> and so, um, it's amazing to me that so many heroes and, you know, when I turned from fear and scarcity to not good enough to just trying to outwork and harm to a place of love, rest, gratitude, abundance, and, and believing self-belief, the, the people that have just appeared in my life to help and support and love and mentor. So my heroes are, I guess the biggest hero in my life um, would be my wife. And I'm not trying to be cliche there. Um, cause she's always loved and supported and respected me and stood next to me through thick and thin and has been the biggest affirmer in Oak tree. So I'm going to give her the biggest love, but a lot of my mentors and heroes and, and, and just don't even know who I am. And, uh, it's the people who put their art and craft out into the world to help serve others, to make them better, whether it's a piece of music, a business, um, a book. Um, and so I, I like watching craftsmen do their craft and I like watching world-class people be world-class and watching their process and systems. You, you're a process and systems guy to see how they live and do their lives so that we can be better. And so I, yeah. the, the, I, I could spend 16 hours giving you a list of names. They know who they are, but the heroes are everywhere in my life. What's, what's interesting to me, and the reason I asked this question, which I don't think I've ever talked about why I asked this question on the show before, but the reason I asked this question, um, and it's been confirmed over 80 interviews now, that people who get to a point of success in their life or in their business have had mentors of some sort, right? They've had heroes, they've had mentors. And a lot of times you end up with two different kinds. You have the ones that sought you out and saw something in you and you have the ones that you sought out because you knew you needed them, right? Um, and what's interesting to me is how incredibly common that is for people who have success is they've had both of those in their lives, right? They've had someone or multiple someones who have said, there's something about you that I need to help engender and encourage, right? So the important, I think, takeaway for that is 
if you're at a place where you can encourage and do something, you may, you may never know the impact you can have on someone if you step up and mentor them. Um, and then the second part of that is realizing that you have to seek out and find people who are going to help push you forward and, um, and everything. And I think that's, it's just so important for people who are in this trying to build and do their, live their best lives and, you know, become legendary as you're saying. I couldn't agree more. And so here's, and this isn't our words on this podcast. All of the great spiritual traditions talk about that. It's the golden rule. And so if you want to be mentored, go mentor, like, speak into someone's life, serve them, whatever they need, whether it's professionally or personally, right? Speak into that life. Um, and it will come back to you tenfold. It will a hundred percent. Same thing with money, give money, you will receive money. And it's, it's the absolute truth. And then you said it, and we both said it multiple times is ask for help. Don't be so bold or prideful or insecure, you know, seek out help. And it, you know, mentorship can come through a book it can come through a documentary, but the best kind is one-on-one -on -one through conversations, relationship, friendship, mentorship, and love. And don't be scared to reach out, ask for help and support, and you'll be shocked at how people will surround you and lift you up. And it's, it's not a cliche. I, I, I think cliches are amazing because they're mostly true. True. Is that we are the five people we surround ourselves with. And we, if we're around people with who love and abundance and want to make impact, that's what's going to happen to us. You can't help but to just be lifted up. So I'm, I'm a million percent in agreement with everything you just said. Absolutely. So, I want to uh, bring it home for our listeners and talk about your guiding principles. So top one or two principles or actions that you put into place every day that you think contribute to the success and influence that you have enjoyed over your entrepreneurial journey. I think you have to show up. Um, I think you have to honor your commitments and your word. And if you're say you're going to do something, do it. Um, within the yeah. past year and a half, I have one major example. I didn't do that and I'm still beating myself up for it. So I'm not perfect on it, but I think honoring your word and showing up. And I think showing up is half the battle. That's a, that's an, we, um, we, <laughs> we have two family mantras is we show up and we honor our commitments. And the second one is protect and defend this fort. And so we have to protect and defend our home, our like love, that. our sanctity. Yeah. So that's our family mantras. But I think um, from a success standpoint is, um, is showing up is, is nine tenths of the battle. And I think the second guiding principle for us is um, to be the same person in our work that we are at home. And we're not different. We're not going to be something different to our clients, our vendors on this podcast. I don't want to come in here and try to try to throw some down some goodness and hope you dig it and then go home and be a complete, you know, not so nice person to our friends and family and, and our significant others. And, and our, and so I think that's our guiding principles and not take ourselves too seriously is like when we show up and we honor our commitments and we do the work. And um, I think being the same person in our personal lives and in our professional lives, is just, is something that it's a, it's a place of integrity and I would say if I had to say final thing is, um, and this has been evident in my life, it's just don't give up. It's sometimes starting is one thing, but finishing is another. And so when, when yeah. the obstacles come, keep showing up each and every day, again, showing up, but, you know, continue taking action, especially when things get tough. That's, that's been some guiding principles and forces. So, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. The uh, the showing up one is is really hard, right? Um, and it's not not when you get started, but when you're going and you run into obstacles um, to show up and realize that I have to be here, I have to overcome this obstacle. So like, to just like bring it all the way down out of out of the entrepreneur world down into like basic things, right? You know, we, I mentioned we're traveling, right? So we're in an RV. And one of the things that uh, um, happens in the RV is you break things all the time. And <laughs> when things break, they have to get fixed in order for you to continue down the road and in order for you to move on and do the next thing. Um, and so one of the things that I found has found really interesting is to the point of showing up is like if something's broken um, and you don't want to fix it, um, if you, you don't fix it now, right? If I wait 10 minutes or wait two hours or wait, you know, however long it is to wait to fix the thing, it's impeding your progress forward. Right. So one of the things that I, I it's, it's sort of like a, a life lesson I've learned from traveling is that when you're stuck with a roadblock, you show up and you fix it now. Right. It doesn't matter how painful or disgusting or gross, especially when it's your toilet that's back up three times in this week, this week because something's going on wrong with it. Right. You just get it taken care of and you move forward um, because showing up is and, and, and like for me, the thing that I that that the picture is in my head is showing up means do it now, right? Take care of it, get it done, right? Get it, whatever the thing is that you're, you are, that's holding you back, take care of it because um, that's, it's, it's that skill set, that muscle of like, you know, doesn't matter how hard this is or how much work it's going to be. I just need to get it done so I can move forward. Right. And, you know, stretch the rubber band, so to speak. Um, and that's a, I think it's such a powerful muscle to exercise. We say it, and I, that, I think that was beautiful. And here's something we say as well, kind of add to it, is participate in your own rescue. And um, whether it's in business or in life, if you're not happy, if you're not fulfilled, not happy, or you, you feel like something's off in your life, go find the closest mirror and look in it because that's your problem. It's not society or anyone else's fault. You got to look in the mirror and you've got to choose to show up and participate in your rescue. And like you said, fix it. So if your mental state's off, your emotional state's off, you're angry, you're judgmental, you're fearful, you're scared, or you've got a problem in your, in your business, look in the mirror, say, I'm going to participate in my own rescue and make the choice to fix it. And so yeah, it's, yeah. it's all just, a, the only power we have is our mindset and choices, our mindset and choices. That is it. Everything else is out of our control. We can influence, we can inspire, we can lead, but our mindset and our choices is the only thing in our control. So we must choose to participate in our own rescue, show up and fix it. So just random question. Do you have any children? No children. I have two dogs. So, so I have I have a I have a story that relates, but it, it's it, so this will it'll resonate more with with people who have had children who are listening. Um, I have a two year old, three year old now. She's three, um, and anyone who's had toddlers before knows that they are um, simultaneously the best thing that's probably ever happened to the planet is toddlers, but they're also like the worst, like the actual <laughs> worst. Um, and I I have. I have patience for days with like everyone in my life, except my toddlers. 
<laughs> and for whatever they can they can piss me off beyond like all reasonable like and i like i don't get it i don't know why they have that kind of power but they do uh, and and occasionally your toddler will piss you off to the point where you overreact right you yell mm. at them you spank them in a way they didn't deserve it or you'll just overreact mm. in a way you didn't you you shouldn't have done um and that you know that's happened to me more than on more than one occasion especially with four children right <laughs> the, uh, you, you you don't react the way that you know you should have and a couple of things that i think really ties this together one having a you know in my case my wife who will call you out and be like hey you're uh, overreacting you need to go apologize to your child um and realizing like in that situation sometimes you're mad and you're like i don't want to i'm i'm pissed off at her right now i don't want to talk to her but um realizing you like i have to swallow that and just show mm. up and do it right i just have to go over and pick her up and give her a hug and be like you know what i overreacted and i'm sorry and right like it doesn't excuse your your behavior but it also doesn't excuse mine right your your behavior to, like and like that's the kind of thing you have to show up because the 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 problem if you want to make it better in anything, right, in a relationship with your kids or your spouse or your business, or your employees, it's you. You're the one that has to take the responsibility, show up and fix it so you can move forward. So, so powerful. Responsibility, courage. There was a lot of courage in that, a lot of accountability in that, a lot of yeah. humility in that, and a lot of love and forgiveness in that. And those are very woo-woo terms for entrepreneurs in business. But if you apply everything you just said in that life lesson to entrepreneurship, you mm -hmm. will be happy and successful beyond measure. Yeah, same thing with your uh, your employees, right? When you got <laughs> to treat them, treat it the same way, and realize that you know um, if it's not your fault, then you can't fix it. <laughs> mm. So treat it all like it's all your fault. Indeed. Um, so and good. You, can, uh, you can move forward and fix it. So I think that basically covers it for our interview. I got one last thing I do on the show every time. It's really simple. I call it the hero challenge. And the hero challenge is basically this. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story here on our show? Uh, mine would be Chris Tuff. And he's known as the millennial whisperer. <laughs> and uh, he, um, he's just a, one of the most inspiring, amazing men that I've ever met in my life. Um, I met Chris at one of his lowest of his lows. And um, he, he said to me around the campfire one time, um, I was running this men's retreat and he didn't know what was about to hit him. I was like facilitating this executive men's retreat up in the, the North Georgia mountains. And you know, he had just been through a rough patch. His marriage was a little questionable. He wasn't happy. He didn't have friends. And he's a big advertising executive. He owned, um, I, for some reason, I work with a lot of <laughs> advertising executives. Strange. Um, but anyway, he he um, he says at work, what lights him up is I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer. Is like, I know how to lead, inspire, and motivate millennials. And I was like, and at the time, the number one question I got asked by corporations is how do I lead, inspire, and motivate so I looked at him. I said, brother, you've got to write this book. And he goes, I don't write books. What book? I was like, you've got to write the millennial whisper. It's the number one thing. It will crush it in the marketplace. And it's an actual need and impact. And by the way, you love it. So what would be more impactful than that? So in Chris Tuff fashion, he literally started working with me on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but he also wrote the book 
And now he's created this, he's like working with Nike around the world. And he literally wrote this book. It became a bestseller. He fixed his marriage. He literally, um, all he does is serve, serve, serve. He's the most giving person I've ever met. And he, every moment of every day that he speaks, he literally is trying to make impact. He's not trying, I hate the word try. He's making impact, not only in corporations, by leading, inspire, motivating, and empowering millennials, but he's done it through his network. He's done it through service. His marriage is the best it's ever been. So he's one of the most inspiring and he's no longer a client. He's become one of my best friends, if not my best friend. And so that's a beautiful story for both of us watching a, the work that I do impact his life and watch him touch literally thousands of the lives of other people and B how much he's spoken back into my life. It's amazing how the, uh, the mentor becomes the mentee. And so, and just the friendship and beauty that's come out of this relationship. He's, I would put him probably at number one. Awesome. Well, we'll, uh, we'll reach out afterwards and see if we can uh, connect and get him on the show. Oh, I'll, I'll um, get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I wanted we'll the calls he'll that. pick up and take. <laughs> That's awesome. So basically, thank you so much for coming on the show, Tommy. It's been incredible talking with you today. My last question for you is really easy. Where can people find you if they want to either pick up your book legendary or they want to, you know, in, you know, find out about your speaking opportunities or um, if may, maybe want to hire you for one-on-one -on -one coaching. So, you know, where can they find you for that stuff? And then more importantly, who are the right types of people to reach out? Okay. So I'll answer the first question to find the book. It's everywhere. Um, so it's amazon.com Barnes and Noble. It's about to be in all your airports. If it's not already in your store, it will be in your store soon. So the book's everywhere. We're just super proud that it's become a national bestseller. So that one's easy to find. Um, if you're interested in joining a mastermind or hiring me to speak, or you're rarely interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, you can go to tommybreedlove.com and there's a whole, there's a slew of ways to find me there. And it's right on the front, right? When you get there, there's, there's ways to reach out to, to schedule a 15 minute conversation with me or a member of my team. So pretty, pretty happy with that. And if you're interested in like, um, there's something that I always offer. If I've got this one page document called how do you, uh, it's called a legendary life plan. It's literally how I live my life. And so I give you that one page plan along with my one page. How do you find your purpose? Um, and so if you go to my website, you can download those. Those are free and I give you mine and then how to do it. And then you go build one your own. So that's really cool. Um, the right people for me is ambitious driven people who are wanting to make more impact in their business and their relationship, um, overcome, you know, you know, they're, they're at a place I'm, I'm one who believes that all great coaches need coaches. And I, I'm a, I'm a coach with a coach and a mastermind. So anyone that's wanting to take their life, their relationship, their mindset, their business, just to the next level and um, be the best person of themselves so that they can build and live a legendary life and leave, lead a life of significance and impact without compromising their ambition or, or, or their financial success. Those are the people I'm looking for is the people who just want to sharpen. I'm not looking to change a human being. I'm just looking to make them the best possible version they can. And also like helping people who kind of look up in the stars and like, why am I here? Where am I going? And am I in the right spot? Those are my favorite. Just help them find that place and their purpose in life. So that, that's my absolute favorite. So you heard him. If you are uh, de definitely get a chance to pick up the book, um, Legendary, um, it's basically everywhere. And if you're uh, looking to take your life to the next level, reach out Tommy to Tommy and, uh, and see what, uh, what he can do for you. 
Um, one last question, just personally, is Legendary on audiobook yet? Because that's how I, you know, get most of my books consumed lately is audiobook. So it has been completely recorded by yours truly and some pro with a professional audio team. So there's one bottleneck, it's the editing and it's the person speaking in the microphone now. So we're in <laughs> final editing. All right, so here's some accountability and goals. We, my goal is to have all of the editing done by Sunday of this week. So when this podcast comes out, it'll be long done. Um, and we, and you know, there is a process that audible, audible books go through, um, but it, it will be latest late March, but our goal is mid-March. The audible book will be March, 2020, awesome. so, whenever you're listening so to we're, this. So. We're about five weeks ahead on our, uh, on our podcast episode so if you're hearing It'll be this, out. <laughs> it should be out so you should be able to get the audiobook as well <laughs> and if it's not send me an email to tommy at tommybreedlove.com and say i'm holding you accountable because you did there's, not get it done <laughs> there's the audiobook i need it so awesome uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely um when that when that time comes we'll find the link and make sure it's in with the show as well so uh awesome find it um and Last thing for you, do you have any final words of wisdom before we hit the stop record button before we, uh, before we go? I'm gonna go back to it again. Um, for all of us, um, you know, we all, need, we all need to do the work to make ourselves, you know, we serve ourselves first so that we can serve others. So again, participate in your own rescue and make the courageous choice to invest in yourself in all phases professionally, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Just make the choice, start with one small step and participate in your own rescue. Awesome, thank you so much for coming on the show, Tommy. Yeah, you're welcome, brother. <laughs>